welcome to another episode of Notes by Kai, the podcast where we focus on fostering healthy minds in children through the connection with the adults in their lives. Um, this episode is a bit different and I am very aware that some of you may not be ready for this conversation. So, um, I was very gentle and I tried to be very gentle and the questions that we asked, the things we talked about, considering you and how you might feel, but I ask that you just listen with an open mind. That is what this is all about. Uh, We are still focusing on children's mental health and the way that your love and support can change the state of your child's mental health should they express um, being a part of the LGBTQ plus community um, or if you come across any other young people in the same situation that you're not really sure how to handle it. This episode is not about right or wrong um, other than the fact that just flat out not supporting your children because you don't have the same beliefs is wrong Um, but I ask that you just listen with an open mind an open heart and of course if you have more questions after you listen you can always reach out to me at Nosbakaya on any social media or email me podcast at nosbakaya.com and I would love to share resources with you or kind of help you think through different things uh also have coaching available if you feel that that may be helpful for you and your child to kind of get on the same page and get a better understanding of each other. Um, So those options are available to you. So some of the things you might be, you know, ready to jump at it and say that it's wrong or whatever, but I want you to just listen to the message being as open as possible. Okay. All right. Let's jump in. Hey. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. How about yourself? Pretty good. Uh, if you will, go ahead and just introduce, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work. I would love to. Thank you. So I've had a long and meandering path to get to where I am today. Um, To sum it up real quick, or try to at least, professionally, I am a school librarian. Um, I used to work, I worked through from pre-K to middle school for several years. And then I shifted into being the director of library programs for all of DC public schools, which was amazing and wonderful and exhausting. And I did that for several years. And now I'm actually at a very small girls boarding school, which is literally the complete opposite as it possibly could be from DCPS, but it's a a great opportunity uh, to be working with high schoolers. So before I became a school librarian, um, I was doing some web development and actually hosted a radio show called Discovering Kids. And then I created several web resources for families and parents. So that's really where I started my you know, focus on parenting. The parenting has always been my, my thing. Um, the focus and, and the way that I parented my own children, um, my, my biological kids are 32, 31, and 26. 
um, I parented them very intentionally because I wasn't parented intentionally. And even at age 14, I remember like doing things and, and acting out in ways that I was like, dear God, could somebody just parent me? Maybe I wouldn't have been such a pain. Um, so flashing forward to working with kids and for all of these years, I have been working with parents to support them with resources and information as a librarian. And then recently, um, I have been more and more focused on LGBTQ kids, recognizing that the LGBTQ plus kids um, were needing more and more support. And so in the last year or so, my focus has actually been twofold. I'm working with the students as uh, the Gender and Sexuality Alliance um, support for uh, kids in schools, but then also have been working with parents of LGBTQ plus kids, helping them to understand what their kids are going through and you know, supporting them, moving them from whether it's positive advocacy or hesitant advocacy to really truly being allies and being there for their kids. Um, I've also now I'm working with a local advocacy group for LGBTQ plus rights uh, called Equality Loud. Um, so my, my world has become very uh, focused on supporting people in the community. I myself am very aware that I am a white hetero cis ally and I approach my work with that perspective. Um, but I do have per some personal experience with the community as well. My son is bisexual and my bonus son is a transgender male. Awesome. Very wonderful work that you're doing. Um, it is definitely a community that needs a lot of advocacy and support um, just because of the way that our society has been throughout history um, and things looking very different today. And so I guess we can kind of jump right in there. And what are some of the struggles that you have seen for caregivers and their children expressing being a part of the LGBTQ plus community? I really think everyone well let's just let's just start out with the the understanding that everyone has bias right regardless of who you are and where you grew up and in our society we are conditioned our entire lives from the minute actually before we're even born um, that this world and our society is heteronormative and that there are boys and that there are girls and there are specific roles that are expected and so we want you know, from the moment we find out we're pregnant, we realize, you know, that there is this person who's going to be coming into the world and we start to have dreams and visions for who that person is going to be. And when the reality doesn't fit that, uh, it's, it's shocking, it's jarring. And there's a lot of, I mean, today, the negative, unfortunately, the negative messaging around uh, LGBTQ+, especially around gender, um, and transgender is incredibly harmful and hurtful. And so you are not only working, you know, I, I always tell people I was a very vocal ally before I found out my son was bisexual. Um, but I grew up in a world where, and I'm of an age where it was pick a team. You're either, you know, straight or you're gay. And bisexuality was something I had to learn about and understand and see where, you know, what was going on. Um, with my partner's son, 
um, when he was, he was assigned female at birth and was a lesbian for many, many years and then transitioned to being male. And that was a huge shock. Um, you're going from having a daughter to having a son. And it is a transition for literally everyone, the family, you know, in the family, as well as the person who's transitioning. And so I think the, the, the realization that the person that you have brought into your family or into your life as a child, um, shifting your understanding of who that person is, can cause a lot of harm and a lot of um, shame and a lot of fear. And um, working against so much conditioning, everything from media to religion to politics now, um, that we have to really be willing and able to overcome. And it's hard. Yeah. And I like that you bring that up because I think a lot of times it is, this is the way I am. You have to accept me immediately. Mm-hmm. And not enough attention is given to the others and it's like well you would never be affected with this as much as i would as a person who is coming out or you know a part of this community without taking the time to recognize that you are also causing a change in the lives of your loved ones should we all just be okay and just accept the people that we love as well as others with open arms absolutely but there is also and there is also that other piece of they also have to kind of have that time to change their mindset especially when their views were different from the beginning um and not only to change their mindset but really come to terms with okay what i thought what i imagined all these different things is not true anymore it's not real it's not real life anymore and so excuse me i think you know when we have kids or even before and thinking about having children in the future a lot of times we have their whole lives planned out and what that will look like and oh and then they'll get married and i get to celebrate these certain days with them and they're gonna have children and do that and there's a lot of other things that we have to go through that same process with whether it's oh i figured i would have a kid and they would take over the family business and they're like no i don't want to do that i want to do this or thinking that my child would get married and they're like, no, I don't want that. Or I don't want to have children. Or you have this idea that they might go to this Ivy league college. And they're like, "Eh, actually, we're not going to do that at all. Mm -hmm. So there are many, many different parts of life where we kind of have to come to this understanding that our children are much more than what dreams and goals we had for them as well-intentioned as those may have been for whatever reason this seems to be one of the most difficult for parents and loved ones to really come to terms with yeah i think it's i mean i think there's a lot again it's not just the conditioning right it's it is and the messaging that you've had but it is fear right and so i have a lot of parents that their first response is oh my God, my kid is queer. 
all kids, all queer kids are depressed and want to commit suicide. And that's terrifying. And if you look at the statistics, they are very, very scary. Mm -hmm. And what I have to remind people is those statistics absolutely are true unless that child has a safe space and love and acceptance and understanding. And when you have two parents in a household, even if only one of those parents is able to provide that for that kid, the, 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 the terry, scary, scary statistics drop um, dramatically. And so, you know, when it kind of, what I was thinking about the other day, when, when it comes to um, children and, and transgender, so let's say, you know, you're pregnant and you're excited, you, you don't, you decide you're not going to just, you know, find out what the child is through a sonogram. Right. So you're going into there going, I'm going to love this child, whether it's a boy or a girl. And you are, it doesn't matter. Right. And you might have some feelings. It would be great if it was this or that. But you're going to love that child no matter what. And so when you have a child who transitions at a later age, you really have to work to get back to that place where it was like, okay, no matter what gender they were. And that's, you know, sort of building from there to say, okay, yeah, you're right. Oh, I thought you were a girl. Apparently you're a boy. I would have loved you for a boy if you were a boy from the beginning. So let me go back and do that. The other pieces I think is that people don't really, we don't teach about um, a lot of this stuff in school, right? A lot of people who are parents now didn't grow up understanding that there are, you know, multiple components to this. We've got gender identity, which is entirely separate from gender expression, how I show myself in the world, um, and which is completely different than sexual identity. And so people conflate gender with sexuality. And so, and then it gets confusing, right? So if you were born male, but you transition to female, but you're still attracted to women, right? Like, it's like, oh my gosh, we've got all of these puzzle pieces we have to be able to put together. And it, it, is, it can be very confusing. And it's really only when you live in, you know, the, the language and the understanding um, of all of these different aspects that you can put the pieces together. Yeah, and it can be very confusing and it does, t it can be a lot to process. Um, and kind of like we were just talking about that there is a grieving process involved, Absolutely. particularly when your child comes out as trans, because it's like, wait, as maybe as a mom, like I have my daughter that we like to do hair and go shopping and, you know, or even just imagining what that would be like. And then it's kind of like, you took that away from me, which they didn't really like you can still do those things it's just in a different way but I just really want to make sure that in this conversation as well we are acknowledging that it is difficult for loved ones because a lot of times it's just like nope you're supposed to just accept automatically I mean working with adolescents I will say they are very some are very very militant about it right like it is I have made this decision get on board. And if you yeah. don't, then you don't accept me. And you, you know, so we talk with the kids a lot about grace yes. and, you know, understanding intention. And, you know, I have to understand that, yes, even if, you know, if I'm using the wrong name or the wrong pronoun by accident, my intention is to do the right thing. But what I do is still has impact. And I have to understand that that impact 
outweighs my intention, right? And so I got to work harder. But the kids really are, um, they are, they, they want it immediate and they want, you know, to, and so I think there, there's a lot of conversation around trust and willingness to, again, give each other grace uh, to get through the process. And I was talking with a mom who was really adamantly hated the concept of dead naming, right? So she's like, why is it dead? That person isn't dead. And I'm like, but that person is. And it's a way of really truly saying, I'm not using this name anymore. I don't identify as that person anymore. I have a new person. I am a new person or I, I am who I always have been, but I'm acknowledging it now. And using a new name and new pronouns is the way of honoring and identifying that person. And so using, you know, continuously using someone's dead name, um, which in case folks don't understand, it's, it's once I've transitioned and chosen a new name, the old name is considered my dead name. Um, if you are consistently using a person's dead name, it is very traumatic. And you have to think of that as a microaggression um, over and over and over again, because it's between you and that person. And that's, that can be very harmful. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad that you kind of circle back to that. And because I, I didn't want to miss a piece that you were saying about the support and the mental health piece. Because yes, those statistics can be very scary and we hear lots of different horror stories and all of that and no caregiver, parent or loved one wants to watch their child or whoever experience that. But you hit on an important part that, that the support is the biggest thing and what I have witnessed is that people really struggle with how do I support if this is not necessarily what I believe in or if I don't understand it or, you know, different things like that. So from your perspective, how can or what advice would you give to a loved one um, who still wants to support but still is kind of struggling with their own beliefs and understandings, what are some ways that they can do that? Sure. I do also, I want to sort of preface this part with saying that um, my middle daughter is a Lutheran pastor and her husband is a Presbyterian pastor. And both of them assure me completely that Jesus absolutely 100% loves and accepts LGBTQ plus folks. And so there are, I think, we have to remember that religion is of itself a man-made construct, okay? And so when you have had um, a lot of teachings that are anti-LGBTQ+, um, it's hard to combat that. And what I would ask folks to remember is just to focus on the bottom line uh, value and message within all religions, and especially Christianity, is love. So if your child comes out and it is against everything that you believe and everything that you feel you know is true, um, you have to go back to finding that love that you have for that child and for that person. And then the next step, I think, is truly reaching out for support. 
and um, we can put in the show notes of several different resources where folks can go to get information and understand what this is. Depends on, you know, is your child coming out as transgender or, you know, pansexual or bisexual or lesbian and, you know, under, really digging in and understanding what that is. But the other piece is truly approaching your child with a sense of curiosity, right? Help me understand what you're going through. When did you get, when did this occur to you? Like, what have you been experiencing? What have you been living? Um, help me understand your lived ex experience. And then you have to have some really hard self-reflection about whether you can accept this child for the person that they are or um, not. And I think parenting, your job as a parent is to keep your child safe emotionally, physically. And so your behavior, reaction, your response is going to have a lot to do with whether or not your child feels safe. Yeah. And I've talked about on a couple different episodes and various topics that the world is hard enough that your core family, your core people should be the ones that you're able to run to when the world is too much. And sometimes that does take pulling back and putting your own emotions on the shelf to help them with theirs. And if you need to have your own therapist or whatever to process this, because, you know, telling your child how you feel about it all the time is not helpful because then it just creates this shame and guilt. And we've kind of talked about that on the podcast as well. Um, and when we create that shame and guilt, that is really what causes the depression, the anxiety, all those other feelings. And so you don't want to put that onto them, but even being able to step back, put your own feelings on the shelf, help them through whatever experience they are having, and then have your own therapist or community group of other parents or whatever you need to do not people that are just going to tell you you're right in all of your feelings <laughs> but a community that is actually going to help you not necessarily try to convince you of another way but being able to be supportive as well as tell you okay but here's a different perspective maybe you should think about it like this and be 100% honest with you so that you also have your space to take care of yourself and your own emotions. Um, but taking it to your child to make them have to deal with it is not no. going to be good. No, and you're going to, I mean, and, and parents are all, you know, we all know this, all feelings are valid, right? And so if you feel angry and you, or you are upset or you are shamed, that the, all of those things are are valid, but you, like you said, it's you can't lay that on your kid. And you know, so when I think about again, we go back to those scary statistics, right? You have an option, you have an opportunity to decide whether your child is in a safe space or not, whether you're creating that safe space or not. Um, you know, my my go-to response that, that I always <laughs> use all the time um, when I am confronted with something that I find outside of my purview or outside of my belief system is tell me more. Mm -hmm. 
tell me more, find out what's going on. And then, like you said, and you call the therapist, you're the, you know, the friend that you can rely on and you, you rant and you rave and then you bring it back. Another part of this that I want to make sure that we put in here, you know, I don't know if everybody's seen on social media where there's a picture of like what's supposed to be two parents and a child with the umbrella and it's like the I think it's rainbow stuff coming down and basically they're shielding the child from it yes but there was another picture created where the child had like the rainbow on them and then black raindrops and they were shielding the child from the world yeah and you know, both of those pictures speak volumes. Mm-hmm. And I think we can also find somewhere that is in the middle. So by that, I mean, you know, the one where we're shielding the child from all of these other things that are happening, maybe being on an age appropriate level, you can manage like what is seen in your home and things like that and um but at the same time making sure that you are not also being harmful to them by making them know this is what we believe kind of thing and doing that in aggress in an aggressive way and the other picture is also important because even if your child does come to you with this Like I was saying, the world is hard enough already and your child needs you to love, support, and protect them as much as you can from the outside world. So that doesn't always necessarily mean keeping them from seeing anything that has to do with the community, Um, but at the same time, having healthy conversations about it. and. If you have other family members that are mean and hateful about it and are being harmful to your child, you'll be the one to step up and say, no, we're not doing that. Hey, so I'm just going to jump right in here because originally during the interview, I shared a pretty personal story, but I decided to take it out because it's not really my story to tell. Um, But basically what we were talking about is when family members and other loved ones don't really understand your child's choices and they want to insert their own beliefs, how important it is for you to defend your child and understanding that that can be extremely difficult and uncomfortable, but your child needs to know that you have their back at all times. So ultimately that was the whole point of the story. So we will continue um, (laughs) the discussion here. But what happens if they do say something that is out of line? How do I stand up for my child? And I think that's something that can be difficult because it, it you're being pulled in two different directions sometimes. But um, knowing that your parent is an advocate for you is huge. It's vital. Extremely. <laughs> Absolutely vital. Extremely vital. Um, and so I think that other picture is important as well because 
whether it is a loved one or whatever, your child needs to know my parent has my back. It's, I mean, and that goes, you know, what we we have been saying about safety, right? Is, are you going to keep me safe in my own home, at my school, within my extended family? And this is where, you know, you do have a lot of, of folks in the queer community that have their chosen family, right? Because their own biological family hasn't been as supportive. And so as a parent, again, you have to make that decision. Is that, do I want to be part of that family? Um, you know, or do we want to, you know, have that end? And that is, is sad unto itself. I, I also want to talk a little bit about sort of the, the developmental stages of how this all happens, right? So if you look at, because a lot of times, you know, it seems like, oh, all the teens are doing this, right? They're all, all over the place. They're all rainbow and they're all, you know, I was at a pride event and these, these kids kept coming up and taking the, the, the flags from our, our booth. And they're, I'm like, well, which one's your flag? And they're like, well, you know, it's this one or this one. I'm like, okay, y'all are, are figuring this out. That's cool. Um, but I think, you know, people will say, you know, they're seven or eight year old. Oh my goodness. They're, they're too young to even know. And the reality is that, that children by around age three can identify genders. By about age four, they've usually figured out their gender. This is for the most part, right? Age five, six in that stage is when like they become very concrete about boys do this, girls do that. And so in their minds, they may, you know, if they're having a gender dysphoria, right? If they are uh, born female, but they see themselves as male, that's when some of the conflict can start and some of the anxiety and some of the misunderstanding within themselves. And they may not come out, may not be expressed until they're into their adolescence. But there are people who truly get it all the way through adolescence and have bought societal's view, society's view of, of who they are or who they should be, and then get into hit puberty and they're like, oh, wait, no, that's, that's not me. <laughs> so they really do enter a period of questioning. And then there are people who truly have stayed, you know, as in the, the identity that they were born in. And, you know, that stays consistent in through their early adulthood, mid adulthood. And, you know, I have friends who are transitioning in their thirties and forties that realize they've suppressed that part of themselves for so long out of fear, you know, what is society going to do or say? And, you know, they finally find people who are accepting and are able to come out. Um, and, you know, and I have to say truly that the, the folks that I work with and the people that I know um, that have come to, you know, with, with adolescents who are angry and frustrated and, and really challenging, right? And may identify as queer. And then throughout the process, the, student, the, the child starts to identify as trans, right? And when the parents accept the new identity and, you know, allow the child to lead, the stress, the challenge, all of that goes away because this person is finally able to be the person that they actually are. And, you know, when you see before a stressed, angry, frustrated child, and then the transition is accepted and supported. And afterward, you see a happy, joyous, wonderful person. You step back and go, wow, <laughs> you know, thank goodness I went along for this ride because yeah. the person is awesome. Absolutely. And, you know, just to kind of speak to a little bit of what you said about 
the teens and it seems to be just like everybody, right? And I just want to offer a different perspective that yes, it does seem like it is absolutely everywhere and oh, it's because it's being exposed on TV, it's being exposed here and there. But I want to offer the additional perspective that it could also just be now we don't have to hide it Mm -hmm. and it's less undercover and that more people are saying, oh, there's other people that feel like me and they're out just living their life and not caring what anybody else thinks. Okay, I want that too. Yeah. So when your child and some of it I will say that often children do follow each other at times mm-hmm. um and they parrot what they hear the same way they parrot you <laughs> and the things that you say um uh, even the things that you don't want them to. So yes, that is a possibility, right? However, when you hold on to, oh, that's just what it is, they're just copying their friends, you completely invalidate their current feelings, which is just going to isolate them and ultimately push them even more in that direction because these other people are accepting of me and they're loving me. So that must be where I belong. Yeah. My parents and my loved ones and all these other people they're not really supporting me and accepting me for who I am or who that I feel that I am at this point in time. So what direction am I going to go? I'm going to go towards the people who are allowing me to be me. And let's keep in mind, especially, you know, so we'll focus on these teens for a little bit. Cause that's, you know, the, the group that I work in with the most, you think about what's going on in their brains, right? Like their brains are exploding and they're trying to figure out who they are. And then the hormones are hitting and they are emotional and it's a hot mess, which is why I love them. And they are absolutely, you know, like you said, I think it's finding that acceptance within peers, right? Which is totally normal, whether it is LGBTQ issues or sports or music, right? They're going to be wanting to be part of whatever group. So yes, there are kids that are experimenting with different identities and different um, sexual identities and gender identities that are not necessarily sure, right, that this is their own thing. Um, That still is totally appropriate, right? This is when we want them to figure out who they are. Um, But also, I got to (laughs) say, there is really, you know, so two things, actually. One, I want to say, if you look at the power of teens and the teen voice, and how they can affect change in society and in the world. It is amazing. And it, I think it is our, our young folks, your young people that are pushing society to accept more, which is wonderful and amazing and beautiful. Um, the other piece is when a student, when a child, I keep saying student, cause I work with in schools too. Uh, when a child or a person comes out as trans, especially, um, that's no joke, right? Like they are aware of how hard that is. There are very few people in the world that are going to just on a whim decide to change genders and want to take all of the stress and the pain that is going to come with that. And so I think when we, we really have to stop 
again, you know, similar to what you were saying, we, we got to stop saying, oh, it's just because it's just because your friends are doing it and take it seriously and just let the child lead. I, I know there a lot of parents have a, a lot of struggle with the fluidity of this also. And I think that is another piece that we as adults have a hard time getting our brains around, which is, you know, again, as I said, I grew up, pick a team, you're either gay or you're straight, male or you're female. I don't understand. Like, and now recognizing, cause I've grown and educated myself a little bit, um, that it's a spectrum, right? And it is, there is absolute fluidity. And so, you know, I, I have a friend who is gender fluid. Some days he presents as male and has a deep voice and is, you know, looks male, looks masculine. Other days she is female and she has a very high voice and she is very feminine. And both of those things are real for this person. And it takes a minute sometimes to, to you know, who am I, who, who's here today? Um, but that's valid. I don't, I don't have those feelings. I, I, again, I am very secure and aware uh, that I am a cisgender heterosexual female, um, but I have to accept the person that is in front of me. And so if a child comes home one day and says that they're gay, the next day they come home and say they're trans, the next day they're not a day, but hopefully, you know, over a period of time, understanding that all of those things can be true and they might change. And I, I think this is where the real fear comes in when we talk about um, medical transition for kids. And, you know, social transition is one thing, change your name, change your clothes, you know, change your hair. Um, medical transition is a very different thing. And again, nobody goes through that lightly. You, it is, you know, you have to have a doctor that is willing to work with you. You have to have the mental health support that is, you know, going through for the entire family, not for the, just for the person who's transitioning. And some things are reversible and some things are not. And so every step that someone goes through transitioning is, is serious and takes a lot. So again, I don't think anybody does it on a whim. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the most important part and really in all the different things that I talk about concerning children's mental health, ultimately it all boils down to support and relationship. Yeah. And that I, I really try to drill in how much difference your relationship with your child makes mm -hmm. that connection that you have. Um, even this podcast, the whole goal is fostering healthy minds in children through their positive interactions through adults. And it's like you really could change so much for them in just focusing on the relationship. So we want to get into all these things of, well, how does this happen? What is the truth? What is science? What is fact? What is just what's in your mind? What, you know, all these other things. When at the end of the day, none of that matters. Mm -hmm. All that matters is that your child, your loved one feels supported and you may not understand everything. Allow them to teach you. Yeah. Yes, they are exposed to a lot of things. So they're learning a lot and allow them to tell you some things, right? Instead of you just always imposing what you believe or think 
about all the things or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, making sure that they just feel loved and supported and that they can come to you and that you're not making them feel more isolated and uncomfortable. Um, that is going to make a world of a difference. It literally, I mean, and I say this with no hyperbole, it's life or death mm-hmm. for a lot of kids. And so it, it, you, your message is spot on. There really, truly is no more important thing than providing safety, security, and love, regardless of who your kid is. Last things I did want to ask this question is as you've been working with teens, adolescents, what is something you often hear them express about this topic and what they wish more adults understood? I think they wish more adults educated themselves, right? There is a lot of information out there um, and the kids are getting a little tired having to educate parents about what, and and adults and teachers, what this is all about. Um, They want to be respected for their, what they, who they say they are. They want to ensure that we get their pronouns correct and that we are supporting them. And again, you you know, I don't think they necessarily, I'm thinking, you know, in a school setting, um, they don't need everybody to believe them. They just need you to respect them, right? And so with parents, it is truly wanting that relationship and that love and that respect. They want to be trusted. They want parents to believe and trust that they know who they are. And I think, you know, as parents, you know, when we started this conversation talking about having that view and that image of who your child is, I think one of the most challenging things about parenting, regardless of what's going on, is knowing and understanding that you have zero control over who your child is. They're an entirely separate being and they're going to be who they're going to be. And so you have to learn and figure out how to love that person, period. And that is, like I've been saying, in so many different areas yeah. of their life. Um, even the way that they choose to dress, choose to wear their hair, the friends that they choose to associate with. And of course, you are the parent, so you are to kind of help guide them to do those things safely um, and also teaching them different lessons that they don't know because they haven't learned it and had the experience but doing that in a gentle way and understanding how important peers um connection relationships being accepted you know we often want to say well who cares about you know what they think and all of that but we didn't learn that until we were older i don't think i truly understood it till I turned 30. So at a teenage, those teenage years, oh, it's completely different because you do want to be accepted. And that is a huge part of their normal development cycle in every aspect. So um, yeah, that I love that you said that. So I think if you, when you have a teenager that starts behaving in ways, right, showing signals of, of depression, 
um, and or defiance. You know, that, that's when you need to get help for yourself and for your kid. Um, it may or may not have anything to do with gender or sexuality, but it might. And so you have to look at yourself as a parent and be like, okay, what am I, what, what am I creating here? What is the environment? You know, is this truly a safe space for this kid? Oh, and then find out what's going on. Yeah. Absolutely. There is one other piece that I want to touch on a little bit because yeah. we kind of got there and then we moved, moved on. And that is um, the influence of outside media, right? And, you know, as a librarian, we're on the front lines a lot of time when it comes to book challenges and our current political and social climate. And there is not a book in the world that is going to turn a kid gay, period, ever. And so, you know, I want parents, you know, yes, you absolutely have the right to, um, you know, see what your kid is reading. And, and if you find things that you are wondering why or what they're reading, then have the conversation. Tell me why. Tell me what about this interests you, right? If you're trying to ban or, or uh, censor information from kids, um, you're just going to push them faster to find out. Uh, <laughs> I, I just never, ever, ever think information is a bad thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then just build healthy conversations around it. Like yeah. you ask them questions, allow them to ask you questions, be honest and, you know, try to put fear to the side. Cause a lot of times that's what it kind of boils down to. And just talk. Just love, them. just love them <laughs> yeah absolutely well thank you so much um oh, this, this has been great delight. i appreciate you um i know that this is kind of stepping on a line for my audience but i think that just kind of makes it even more important to have this conversation and hopefully we have been able to shed some light that kind of opens eyes a little bit and begins to be like, okay, I can do that. I know how to love my kid. I know how to um, show them that I love and care for them and am there to protect them. That I can do. The other pieces I can learn about along the way. And that's really all that this is about is just understanding that this does play a role in children's mental health. And that part is the most important is that you are showing love and support, continuing to build a relationship, and then the rest will all come after that. And if you're, you know, again, I encourage folks to reach out, um, you know, affirming parent coaches are not going to judge. Um, we're here to listen and help and guide. And that's what we do. Um, and, you know, there, there are a lot of folks that are really ready to, to provide support. So Absolutely. thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Do you mind sharing uh, where people can find you and connect with Absolutely. you? Absolutely. The easiest place is to go to www.parentwithcare.com. And from there, you can get to Facebook, you can get to Instagram, uh, you reach out and have, you know, schedule a free call. And I'm happy to chat. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for listening. If you made it through the entire thing, 
good job to you um, thanks for sticking through i hope that you were able to learn something take something away from this conversation again this is not about trying to change your morals values beliefs it is about learning how to support your child when those beliefs differ from yours and still being a supportive parent caregiver or adults or whoever you are in their life providing them with that love and support no matter what and hopefully you learned a couple more ways that you can do that so um, be sure to check the notes the show notes for all the different links please share this Uh, leave us a review on whatever your favorite platform to listen on and If you have any other questions or topics that you would like for me to address on the show, just email those to podcast at nosebakaya.com. See you next time. Bye.